Agent, please stand. Ask the congregation to be seated. <clears throat> We're gathered here to give thanks to Almighty God for the life of our brother Charles Gill, or Charlie as he was known to all of us. We want as a fellowship to extend our heartfelt sympathy to Frida again and to the family. We extend our Christian sympathy to uh, Jeffrey and his wife Melissa and their children Elijah and Ethan in Alaska, to Alison, her husband Gavin, and their children Isaac, Caleb, Nathaniel, Benaya, uh, Alethea, and Micah. Also in America, Alison can't be here today, but her heart is very much in this place. And then to Rachel and to her husband Jonathan and their children, Katie Rose and Eliana. We also remember Charles's sister Lily and her husband, and also Leslie and his wife. We want to extend to the whole family circle because there's so many more that we can't mention you all, but we do extend our Christian sympathy to the whole family circle and to the friends of Charles. It was with deep uh, shock that I received the phone call early on Friday morning that, with the news that Charlie had died suddenly. Uh, it has been a, a deep shock for us all, and we know that we'll deeply miss him here. But I know that the family has been overwhelmed with the outpouring of love and sympathy that there has been and I have received many messages as well from the moderator, from the clerk of Presbytery, from a multitude of our ministers, not only here in Northern Ireland, but also in America and in Canada. I even got a message from Eastern Ukraine, and the news had got to Eastern Ukraine in the part that is most war-torn uh, that Charlie had passed away and I got a phone call from our brother Jim Cummings, who lives there, asking if it was true uh, that Charlie had passed away. I couldn't possibly meet up, read all the messages that I have received, 
Uh, the Reverend Ivan Foster and his wife asked to be remembered to Frida uh, here. But there's one message that I said I would read. Um, well, there's other message that we'll get later on. But from the Reverend Paul Backhurst, the Ministry of Calgary Free Presbyterian Church in Alberta in Canada, and a former member of this congregation, and he just says, with grief and sadness, we mourn the loss of a brother and father in the faith, Mr. Charles Gill. We extend our heartfelt sympathies to Frida and the family, to Mr. Dean and the congregation at this difficult time. There is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel. Ever since our arrival in Northern Ireland to commence ministerial training at the Whitfield College, a number of God's pe people gave us much support. Amongst these were the Gills. We're grateful to God for their faithful support to me and the family during the studies, ordination and beyond. Charles was a great example of a humble, dedicated, godly and gracious saint. He was an encourager without equal. He was devoted to his wife and family. He was faithful to the Crossgar minister, session and congregation. He loved the Lord and the Lord's people, and he was greatly desirous of seeing many others saved. We humbly thank God for the grace granted to this man, and we plead that the Lord would grant such grace to many, many more. We will miss him and his wise counsel, but look forward, as will many others, to a heavenly reunion in God's own gracious presence. Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that's signed by the Backhurst family. Could I thank you all on behalf of the family for your messages of love and sympathy and for your prayers at this time. And the family are greatly appreciated of all the love and support that you have given. I've been asked to thank some people by the family to Mrs. Dean for organizing the catering and the women of the congregation for providing the food and also Colin McKee who supplied the heated food to Glenn and Esther for being with us today to provide the music James Dean and Kyle Boyd for taking care of the audio it's greatly appreciated particularly by those family members who are overseas and can't be with us today to Helen Graham and the committee of the War Memorial Hall for granting us permission to use the hall for tea, to the men of the congregation who have helped in various ways, such as doing the doors and taking care of numerous thank uh, practical things, and could we thank the men from Douglas Funeral Directors for the efficient way that they've looked after things today. We're going to sing the praise of God by turning to the first praise there on your hymn sheet, the Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, and our strength in straits of present aid. Therefore, although the earth remove, we will not be afraid. And we'll stand as we sing this psalm. God is...
congregation can be seated, please. We're delighted to have a former minister of the congregation here, former minister of Charlie's, Reverend Fred Greenfield. We're going to ask Mr. Greenfield to come at this time and to lead in prayer and read some passages of Scripture. Well, let's bow together, please, at the throne of heavenly grace and prayer. So I'll pray. Our gracious God and our loving and eternal Father in heaven, we thank thee afresh this afternoon for those words from the psalmist that we have been singing, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And our Father, we thank thee today that we can rest in the promises of God We can be still and know that thou art God. We thank thee today that as we meet together for this service of thanksgiving, for the life and the testimony of thy dear servant, our dear friend and brother in Christ, Charles Gill. We thank thee, Lord, for that day and his experience when he came to know the Lord Jesus as his own and personal Savior. We thank thee, Lord, for the love that he had for the things of God and the Word of God. We thank thee, Lord, for thy hand upon him throughout the years that thou didst give unto him. We thank thee, Lord, for every remembrance of him as a family man and as a man devoted to his wife and to his family. And his children today would rise up and say and call him blessed. We thank thee, Lord, for his faithfulness as a servant of God in the work of God. We thank thee, Lord, for the gifts that thou didst bestow upon him, and we thank thee, Lord, for every remembrance of him preaching the word of God and teaching the word of God and serving as an elder in Christ's church, not only here in Cross Scar and the local congregation, but on our presbytery and on the many committees and commissions on which he has served over many years. And Lord, we give thee thanks for his life and testimony today. And we thank thee, Lord, that like the apostle, he could say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this afternoon, our Father, we remember especially before thee, our dear sister Frida. We pray, Lord, that thou wouldst bless her and shelter around about and underneath with thine everlasting arms. We pray for Geoffrey and Melissa. We pray for Alison and Gavin. We pray for Rachel and Jonathan. And we think of all the grandchildren upon whom Charlie loved and doted, Lord. We give thee thanks for them, each and every one. And we commend them to thee today and to the word of thy grace in their sorrow and in this time. But yet, Lord, we thank thee that, as the old gospel hymn says, there's a light in the valley of death now for me, since Jesus came into my heart. And we thank thee today that thy servant has looked upon the face of the Savior whom he loved and whom he served. He has entered in, he has seen the King in all his glory and in all his beauty. And our Father, we thank thee today for Charles. 
for his life, for his testimony, for his gifts and the things of God, for his faithful service in the Royal Ulster Constabulary, and for thy hand upon him through many years. And we thank thee, Lord, for his labors here in Crossgar. And we just pray that thou wouldst bless us today as the service continues, as we read the word of God, as thy servant would come and read and preach thy word. We pray, Lord, that he might know thy help and thy blessing. And, Lord, that thou wouldst comfort the family circle and all the friends who have gathered today. And, Lord, may they have a word of comfort and consolation. And, Lord, even a word of challenge, should there be one, even this afternoon, who knows not Charlie's Savior. Oh, God, may they come even today through the home call of thy dear servant, May they come to know his Savior as their own and personal Savior too. So, Lord, we pray that thou wouldst be with us now as we continue on in thy presence. For we ask all these things in the Savior's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Amen. Could I just take this opportunity before we read God's word to offer our sincere sympathy to Frida and to the family circle today. I have known Frida and Charlie for many, many years, from when long, long ago we were all young and getting involved in the things of God. And we thank God for our brother Charles, for his preaching, for him. I remember from uh, Frida being in the nursing, Charles being at Bible College, and so it was a privilege of mine many years later to come and to be the minister here in Cross Scar and to work along with them and to work with Charles on the session. And we thank God for his faithfulness in the things of God. And those years, the 12 years that I spent here in Cross Scar, our children were growing up. They were at a formative age. And we are so thankful, and on behalf of our children, uh, they think of many times enjoying hospitality with Frida and Charles, and even overnight stays at their home, and Charles had a great influence even on their lives. And so we'd just like to pay that little tribute to them, or to him. The Bible says in those lovely verses, when our hearts are troubled, Jesus said, in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then over there in the first epistle of Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle writes in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Then thinking of the life and the testimony for Brother Charles, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy and in the fourth chapter and in verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. May God bless to us the public reading of his own inspired and infallible word. I'd like to thank Mr. Greenfield for coming and taking part today. Charles Gale, or Charlie as we all know, knew him, was born on the 21st of November 1949, brought up in Ardmillan there on the Strangford coast. From an early age, he was sent along to Sunday school in Kalinchy Presbyterian Church and to children's meeting run by the Brethren where he faithfully heard the gospel preached and applied. At the age of 16, there was a gospel mission that came to the Ardmillan district run by Mr. Jim Hutchison and Mr. McKelvey. And it was in those meetings that Charles came under conviction of sin and realized that he needed to prepare to meet God. And on a Monday night after the meeting at his own bedside, he called upon the Lord for salvation and the Lord in grace and mercy, saved him and made him a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't long after that that he met Frida, who was to be the love of his life. And on the 14th of August, 1974, they were married in this church. And the Lord blessed them with three children, Jeff, Allison, and Rachel. Then, in the years, as the years passed, the children got married uh, there were the grandchildren, Isaac and Caleb, Nathaniel, Benaiah, Alethia, Micah, Elijah, Ethan, Katie Rose, and Eliana. Charles was a man who wanted to serve God. And in his early days, he went to Bible College in Barry in South Wales, and then into our own theological hall, as it was then. He was a, ma a man who was willing to do what the Lord wanted him to do. In the end, it wasn't the plan and purpose of God for Charles to be in full-time service. But in 1974, he joined the police. And in 1978, he was promoted and went to serve in the South region with the RUC. And there he remained, finishing up 
as Deputy Head of the Region uh, with the rank of De Detective Chief Inspector. He was awarded the Queen's Police Medal in 2002, and in the last number of days, his colleagues have testif well, they testified before, but especially in the last few days, to the, his value and loyalty as a policeman. Charles served at a time when the troubles were at their height, and he had to witness the death of colleagues and friends and be on the scene of hor horrific things that left a toll. You couldn't go through, any man or woman could not go through the things that Charlie had to experience and for it not to affect them and scar you. And that has only been compounded in recent years by the inquiries that have taken place, uh, extremely one-sided in their focus. Charlie had heart surgery in 1996. He was diagnosed, first of all, with angina, and then it got more serious, and he had to have a quadruple heart bypass operation. In 1999, he was diagnosed with a tumour, and then there were a number of occasions when Charles had to have stents put in, and even in the last few months, uh, in the last few weeks, really, he had a, a pacemaker fitted. So he didn't enjoy the best of health. But Charlie was a man who remained right at the heart of our fellowship. He had a burden for the work of God and the congregation here in particular in which he was placed. He was elected as an elder in our congregation on the 2nd of February 1992 and ordained on the 17th of March 1992 he was the treasurer of the congregation for many years, and then in 2012, following the death of Roy Moore, Charles was elected as our clerk of session. He's a man who loved the Lord. He was faithful in the place of prayer. He couldn't understand those who didn't come out to all of the meetings. He felt that it was a privilege and a duty to be there when he possibly could. He was an encourager. He would have spoken to young and to old and given them a word of encouragement or a verse of Scripture. He was a man of prayer, faithfully upholding people in their situations. And it was an unusual thing if Charlie was not in his place at the prayer meeting. He prayed for loved ones and friends and that God in his mercy might save them. He was a member of our presbytery and a very prominent member of our presbytery and respected, serving on many committees and commissions down through the years. But he was also a husband and a father, and his family will miss him the most. I want to read a little piece from Charlie's grandson, Isaac Beers, that was sent through. And Isaac says, growing up, Granda Charlie was always my hero. He was big and strong. He was a brave policeman and a farmer, and he could do everything, even control the magic fence. As I grew older, he remained my hero, but in a different way. My grandfather was the godliest man I've ever met. He was the strongest, most resilient and hardworking man that I ever met. He was the most servant man 
I have ever met. He never stopped serving his whole life in sickness and in health. He was always a hero to me and someone I looked up throughout, throughout my life. What he impressed on me the most was to hold fast to the mast, no matter what. I strive to become a man like him. He remains forever the greatest man in the world to me. I thank God for blessing me with him for 20 years of my life. And so we extend to the family our deep sympathy today. We don't sorrow as those are without hope. There's none that can pluck or ever will pluck Charlie out of the Saviour's hands. Away back in 1965 at the mission in Ardmillan, he came to Christ. He was ready. And I hope that you are ready too. I want to turn in God's word, please, for a few minutes to another passage of Scripture. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to read a few verses from that portion of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and beginning our reading at verse 8. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who hath both abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we draw near to thee uh, in this hour. We do give thee thanks for our brother Charlie today. We thank thee for thy mercy and grace in his heart. We thank thee for saving him. We thank thee for thy grace bestowed upon him down through the years. We thank thee, Lord, for all of thy mercies uh, that thou hast given to him. And we thank thee today that he is with thee, which is far better. We thank thee that on tw about 20 past nine on Thursday evening, he passed from this scene of time into the very presence of God. And our God, our hearts are comforted today with the fact that we can depend upon our Savior. Bless us even as we can contemplate thy word just now, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. I was just looking at our brother Charlie's testimony in our the book of the history of our congregation. And he started off and he said, uh, the Apostle Paul could say in his writing to Timothy, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, 
And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And when I saw that, I thought, that's a good text for today. It's obviously a text that had spoken to Charlie uh, and one that summed up what the Lord meant to him. And the context here, the Apostle Paul was in prison. He's writing his letter from prison. He is not only in a Roman prison, but he's under the uh, uh, threat of the capricious Emperor Nero. And he knows that he may face death at any time. But he is assured, he is confident. He, tradition tells us that indeed he was beheaded. But here he is, and he has that confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that it was the same with Charlie. God gave him a good number of years. Um, I know that he was the longest lived of the Gilmean. And uh, all of us, I'm sure, would have loved to have had more time with our brother. But Charles had heart problems, as was something that was true in his family. And he knew that uh, there was a danger. There was that uh, sense in which he knew that uh, the Lord could take him at any time. And he knew that there was a danger of death. Now, he never concentrated on that, and it was never a shadow across his life in any way. Uh, But he knew that death was coming, and it's coming for every one of us. But in the face of this, he could say, I know in whom I've believed. And I know that Charles would have wanted me to to point you to his Savior today. I know that he wasn't one for tributes or any of those things. He didn't want to be lauded. He wanted to point us to his Savior. And I want us, that's what I want to do in this service for a few minutes this evening. And I want you just to notice some of the themes in this text that Charlie uh, brought with his testimony. And I want you to see, first of all, the sufferings of this life. The Paul says here, for the which cause I also suffer these things. And in the context, he is thinking about the sufferings he has experienced, uh, namely his imprisonment. And if you look at verse 8, he mentions that specifically. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And there seems to have been those that were ashamed of Paul and what he was and the fact that he was in prison, even though he was in prison for the sake of the gospel. But he he was reminded here, and he reminds us that this life is a veil of tears. And we are none of us exempt from the sufferings of this life. And we think of that today. We think of how Charlie, in many ways, kept much of the suffering that he went through secret and all of the heart problems that he had. And he didn't want that to be known. We're not going to focus upon that today either. But I want you to think about the reason for suffering. The ultimate reason for suffering is said. The reason why Paul was suffering uh, was because of the opposition of men against the gospel. And the reason for every type of suffering that we have in this world is because of the fact of the fall when Adam and Eve sinned against God 
And that brought in sickness, and that brought in stress, and bitterness, and anger, and jealousy, and all of these things that make it hard to live in this world. We're told that man is to labor by the sweat of his brow, and that speaks about the stresses of life. And then it speaks of how um, death entered, and how uh, sickness and death bring uh, that uh, tears and turmoil that comes into life because of sin. And sometimes we have to suffer because of either our own sin or the sin of somebody else. But it could be worse than that because sin that is undealt with will not only bring suffering in this life, but will bring suffering for all eternity. And I want to tell you, men and women, that this life is not all that there is. The Bible is very clear that there is something beyond this life. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. There is an after this. And in the after this, there is the Bible, or the judgment that the Bible speaks about. A separation between those that are in Christ and those that are out of Christ. And I wonder which you are today. Are you in Christ or are you out of Christ? Do you know the Lord or are you a stranger to grace and to God? But not only do we see the reason for suffering, but I want you to think about the relief of suffering. There is a nevertheless in the text. He speaks about his suffering, but then he says, nevertheless. He brings a word of contrast. There's something that is to be set over against the suffering. And what does he do then? He points to the Savior. He could uh, say today that there was one who was able to meet his need in the midst of all the sufferings and in the difficulties of life. And I say to the family today, there is a nevertheless. There is a Savior who meets us at the point of our need. The apostle could say in Hebrews 4 and 15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And I say to the family today, Jesus knows all about our sorrows. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus no, not one. No, not one. Do you know my Jesus today? Do you know Charlie's Savior? Oh, what a friend we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only do I want you to see in the text the suffering of this life, but I want you to see the Savior of the soul. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And I want you to notice the object of Paul's knowledge here. He could say that he knew the Savior. He said, for I know whom I have believed. And I want you to notice, he doesn't say, I know what I believed. He's not talking about a philosophy. He's not talking about religion. He's not talking about theology. He's talking about a person. He's talking about his Lord here. And he's not talking about religion. He's not talking about getting religious here. He's talking about a person. 
his Lord, his Savior, who saved him. He's not talking about a kind of philosophy or anything like that. He is focused upon the mighty Savior of men. I know whom I have believed. And one day in repentance, way back when he was 16 years of age, um, the, um, the Lord uh, brought Charlie to a mission in Ardmillan, and he realized that he was a sinner. And even though he was young and really probably hadn't gone out into the things of the world, he knew that he wasn't going to heaven and he needed a savior. And he cried unto God in his own home, called upon God for mercy. And the Lord saved him and transformed him. And he received the gift of salvation. And he was saved by the grace of God in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye, he was regenerated in his heart. I wonder, do you know Charlie's Savior? Do you know, have you had a personal acquaintance with the Lord Jesus Christ the way that Charlie did? But it's about knowing him. It's not about religion. It's about knowing him. Have you that personal acquaintance with Christ today? Not only do we see the object of this knowledge, but I want you to think about the depth of the knowledge. The word know in the verse indicates a close, intimate, living knowledge, not a transitory thing, not a passing knowledge. The Christian not only knows about his God, he knows God. He has that acquaintance with God. And of course, the Christian knows that every day of his life, and we know him, we know him in the word, we know him in the revelation of his word in the Bible, but more than that, we know him personally. It's not just a matter of knowing about God. Do you know God? Does he know you? When a person is saved, they come into a living relationship with a living Savior. And then there's growth and grace and deepening in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Charlie knew the Savior in that close, intimate way. And now he's with the Savior. He's with his Lord who loved him and gave himself for him. And Charlie knew his Savior and wanted to serve his Savior. And he wanted to do what he could for his Savior. And you know, he knew the Lord by faith. Do you? Paul says, I know. I know whom I have believed. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know him. Not at a distance, not as some story, but you can know him. Know him by faith. Know him in your heart and life. Do you know him? Not only is there the object of the knowledge and the depth of the knowledge, but I want you to see the outworking of the knowledge. Because he knew God, Paul had a perfect peace in the midst of his suffering. He understood that in all things, God was working out his perfect plan. Paul knew that there was a reward in heaven. 
Paul knew the reality of sins forgiven. Paul knew that he would be transformed into the image of Christ. And so did Charlie. He knows today better than he's ever known before. The Bible says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Would death begin for you? Will you go to be with Charlie's Savior? Paul said that he was persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And what a tremendous peace and rest there is in knowing Christ. There's something else I want you to see. I want you to see the safekeeping of his commitment. It says he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against the, that day. In those days um, t- uh, of Timothy, valuables were often kept in the temple or uh, in a place of safekeeping. There was a place of keep safekeeping in the temple. Temples were like banks in that day. They were safe, the safe deposits of the ancient world. And it was a sacred duty to safely guard those deposits, returning them in due time to those that owned them. Christians make a deposit with God. And we think of that great priceless deposit that we have made. And we commit our hearts to God. Our Heavenly Father speaks in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse 26, and he says, My son, give me thine heart. Paul means here, I have committed to him my soul's eternal salvation. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 6, God hath laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Now, the heart of Scripture is not only referring to the emotions or the affections, but out of the heart come the issues of life, your thinking, your decisions, your values, your moral code, your enthusiasms, all proceed out of the heart. But men and women, is your heart in the, heart, in the hand of God? We can make a right mess of our lives. We can make awful decisions and choices. We can make decisions that take us further and further away from God. But thank God for the grace and mercy of God that set his love upon Charles Gill and drew him to the, the Lord Jesus and brought him into that relationship with him. And that's what makes the difference for all eternity. We commit our hearts to God and we commit our futures to God. Think of your futures young. Some of you are young. You have to choose a spouse, make a way in life. Maybe have children. Oh dear friend, have you one to guide you in the midst of life? Some of you are older Maybe in old age, 
and maybe things facing death, maybe, or whatever it is, an unknown future. We don't know what's around the corner. We didn't expect to be here today. But a Christian is a person who has surrendered their whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ. When in his teenage years, Charlie was saved in his teenage years, and he wanted to serve the Lord. And he went to the Bible College in Barry in South Wales, and then into the Free Presbyterian Theological Hall. And because of the stresses and strains of looking after a church that was so far away, Corrigari and um, in, in Modern, where I also was a minister for some time, we, he, he um, wasn't able then to go on with that. And the Lord redirected his life. But all of those things were not a mistake. God had his hand upon Charlie. And God was molding him and God was directing him. But a Christian is someone that follows Christ. And we can certainly say that Charlie followed Christ. He had resigned his soul and his heart and his life into the hand of God. What an encouragement Charlie has been to so many uh, in our congregation and further afield, preaching the gospel here and there and seeking to make much of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the Lord was with Charlie. He would have told many of you about his Savior. And I hope that you will heed his words and heed his admonitions and that you today will trust in Charlie's Savior. We do not sorrow today as those who are without hope. And, and I'm using hope in the, the biblical sense of a dead-on certainty. We have a dead-on certainty of eternity to come. And we have placed, those of us that are saved, there's nothing in us we've placed ourselves in the hands of our Redeemer, and so did Charles. That was his hope. Not in anything that he was or had done, but his hope was built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But there's something else I want you to see in this portion of scripture and that is the security of his faith Paul says here I know and then that's not enough he says I am persuaded he tells us he is persuaded and that word is a word that actually means tranquilized it carries the idea of being able to rest with total assurance that all is well. And those of us that are saved can rest with total assurance that all is well. That verse doesn't tolerate any doubt. There's no question whether uh, we are saved or not. I know, he says, I know whom I have believed. He says, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him 
against that day. There was no suspicion about the future. He was positive here. He is able. He wasn't depending upon himself. None of us that are saved today are depending upon ourselves. We're depending. He is able. He's the God of heaven. He's the God of power. And if, I'm depend- if I was depending upon myself, I'd perish. I'd perish. But I'm not depending on me. And neither was Charlie depending on him. You, many of you know him. Knew him as a good man and a man who was friendly and a, a man that you'd look up to. But that wasn't the basis of his salvation. He said, I know whom I have believed. And he had committed something to the Lord. He had committed his soul. Paul tells us here that he is convinced, totally, completely assured. Some people wonder why Christians can be so sure. There are those who would say it's presumption to think that we are saved But Paul here is dead on certain. He says he is able. Not because he's trusting in himself. He's trusting in the Lord. That's what Charlie was doing. And that's why Charlie is with his Lord today. Because it wasn't anything that Charlie had done. But it was what his Savior had done on the center cross of Calvary. Look at the power of this keeping, that it says he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. He says the Lord is able to keep. The word able means mighty, powerful, strong. The word keep means to guard, to watch, to keep an eye on. So the Lord is mighty and strong. How, how was Paul able to say he's able to keep that which I've committed How could he say, I know whom I believed? Because he wasn't trusting in himself. He was saying, he is able. And he is able to keep you and to save you. And we're not trusting in ourselves. And we're not trusting in what we have done. And we're not trusting in our religion or our religiosity or anything else. We are trusting in him. And that's who Charlie was trusting in. He said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and 5, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our brother Charlie could testify to the keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ with all the pressures and the circumstances that he faced and the dangers and the terrible things that he had to see and witness in in the job that he did. He had a loving Savior, a powerful Savior. And you 
should never be afraid that you'll not keep God's salvation because he's the one who keeps you. The Lord said, This is the Father's will which hath sent me. Of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise him up at the last day. Charlie's Savior is a wonderful Savior, a keeping Savior, a mighty Savior. But not only do we think about the power of this keeping, but the period of this keeping, he says that he's able to keep against that day. That day. And I suppose he calls it that day because it was the day most ardently expected and commonly spoken of by the Christians in that day. It was the topic of conversation. That day that the believers were thinking about the day of death, the day when our soul will appear before God, the day of judgment, the day when the books are opened, the day of winding up of all, the sealing of destiny, the eternal fate, that day, that day. The Lord Jesus spoke of the great shepherd one day will gather all the world around him and will separate the sheep from the goats. And he'll say to the sheep, his people, come ye blessed. And he'll say to the goats, who are not his, depart from me. I never knew you. There'll be a great separation. Separation of death is one thing. But separation for eternity is something wholly other. But I want you to notice the absolute assurance that Paul had. He was in the Roman prison here, the Mamertine prison probably. He was in a dark hole in the ground. I was in one of those cells. There's stairs down into it now, but in those days you're just thrown in a hole. And he might have despaired, but he doesn't despair. Because he lifts up his hands to God, and he says, I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is led up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Charlie has entered into his reward. Some of the rest of us will follow him soon. I hope that you'll be among the number. I hope that you can say, I know whom I've believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. May you come and find Charlie's Savior today the Savior that he loved with all of his heart. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Could I say, we're going to sing the last hymn there in the hymn sheet. 
And at the end of the hymn, can you remain uh, standing? The funeral will go from the church to the cemetery on the Derryboy Road for the committal. There is tea provided in the War Memorial Hall in John Street. If you don't know the town, take the first left, um, just going down there, the first left in, uh, then go to the end of that street and go right, and just down towards the square, you'll see the War Memorial Hall just set back a little bit off. Um, if, you're, if you're driving, you can't go in the first uh, left. You have to go in to the second left, drive onto the square, and at the end of the road, turn right, and the War Memorial is Hall is just off the square there. And we do invite you to remain for a cup of tea. Um, the family will not be shaking hands in the graveyard. If you want to speak to the family, just make your way down to the War Memorial Hall. We're going to sing the Psalm 121. I to the hills will lift mine eyes from whence doth come my need. My safety cometh from the Lord, who heaven and earth hath made. We'll stand to sing the psalm, and we'll remain standing at the end of the psalm. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the Lord who keeps. We thank thee for those who are on his right hand. 
We thank thee for those that are saved by the grace of God. We're glad that our brother Charlie was saved by the grace of God. And we pray that thou wouldst take our thanks for all of thy mercies in our hearts and in our lives. We pray that thou wouldst go before us as we go to the graveyard. We pray that thou wouldst take thy word and what is of thyself, use it to the extension of thy kingdom and bless us and remember the family circle at this time. Remember Alison away. Remember Melissa and all the members of the family who can't be here. We pray, gracious God, that thou wouldst draw near to them and they might know thy comfort and thy help and blessing. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen.